you to get your Bible open, if you would, please, to the book of John 12. If you don't have sermon, if you have sermon notes, uh, you know, that's the big thing here. You can just follow us along. My goal today is to simply take you on a journey. This is a two-part um, thought we've been working through uh, today, and I started last week with the theme, repeat it with me, please say willful, willful. Blindness. blindness. Say it one more time, say willful, willful. Blindness. blindness. Every year I try to answer one question. And I do that because, as I said, people just don't remember what you say, so I make it easy. It's also easier on me to think through one big thought. The thought for this year is, why don't people do what they say they're going to do? That's the question. Each month, I try to answer that. The answer for this month is because they walk around and they're willfully blind. They opt the ostrich method. They call it in legal terms. When a person can know something but chooses not to know it, in the law, they say you're operating in willful blindness. This was a term that was coined uh, in the 19th century, 1864. A judge in a trial called Regina versus Sleep ruled that an accused could not be convicted for possession of government property unless the jury found that he either knew the goods came from the government stores or had willfully shut his eyes to the fact. Therefore, English judicial authorities referred to the state of mind that accompanied one who willfully shut his eyes as can, as can connivance are constructive knowledge. In other words, you could have known this, but you chose not to know it. Somebody came to you and gave you a bag and said, take this with around the corner and we'll give you $10,000. The first question is, why would you give me $10,000 for walking around the corner? But you don't really care because all you want is the what? The money. It's willful blindness. You could have known but you chose not to know. Now, you can go back in your life and you can ask yourself the question, man, uh, wow, have I ever been willfully blind? Have I ever just ignored things? And just as a side note, if you download the sermon notes, I always put sources in the sermon notes. So you can just, that's the geek in me, but you could, uh, uh, you can feel free to always do that. And it's wonderful additional reason for downloading the notes. Uh, in the last sermon, we looked at John chapter 12, and I gave you an example of, on Palm Sunday, how they basically pretended to be excited about Christ. They came out with this incredible honoring moment. John 12 and 12 says this. It said, the next day, the crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. It took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king of Israel, but Jesus found a young donkey and said on it, as is written, Do not be afraid, daughters of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now, this was a moment that looked great. A moment where everything looked like a breakthrough had happened. People were receiving Christ. They were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And it really looked great, but that was not true. Have you ever <laughs> thought you had a breakthrough and then you had that sad moment when you realized that was not true. I thought we had broken through in the marriage. I thought we had broken through in the job, career, or whatever it was. And you found out it wasn't true. 
This is one of those moments, and you see this in John, in, I'm sorry, in the book of Acts chapter 7. Of course, Christ is crucified. And after that happens, a week later, this is interesting, last week, seven days prior, they just sang all these songs and talked about Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save now. They were just really excited about Christ, but a week later they killed him. So the breakthrough wasn't a real breakthrough. Then I took you last week to John, Acts chapter 7, and I showed you that even further down the road, they had shown signs of rebellion, and it was an incredible moment because you had this, this incredible conversation between Stephen, the first, one of the first deacons, and the religious leaders. And they were willfully ignoring what happened in their own history. They were willfully being blinded by their own pride. They refused to admit that not only did Christ came and was unfairly killed, but they, there was this sense of religious arrogance that, boy, still lives today. Let me tell you the thing that scares me the most in politics today. If I can just be a little bit mischievous, mischievous. I'm concerned about us. I'm concerned that what I'm about to read to you still lives. What I mentioned last week, they're going to stone Stephen. Because Stephen's going to challenge their blindness. And he's going to say, you knew better. He's going to challenge their arrogance. And they don't like it. And there's this moment in life where you, I look at us, those of us who love God and those of us who are trying to serve Jesus. And I, I, I think we've taken some political steps. We've taken some moral positions. We've taken some high ground attitudes that concern me. Jesus didn't die for me to be a Republican or a Democrat. Can I just get real with you? Jesus didn't die for me to be right all the time. Jesus didn't die because I had all the answers. He died because I didn't have the answers. Can you talk to me? Come on, amen. He died because I didn't have the answers. I may not like where you are. I may struggle with your issue in your life. But I'm not your judge. And I am definitely not your savior. His name is Jesus. Can I get an amen, somebody? I wish, I wish I could just give everybody the answer. But I've learned I don't know everything. Stephen challenges the leaders. In chapter 7 of Acts, verse 55, he pays for it. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven while they were stoning him, by the way. And he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Now, Stephen could see, but the people couldn't see. And the Bible said at verse 57, and at this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, later called Paul. Hold my coat while I hit him with a rock. While they were stoning him, Stephen did something that I don't know that I could do. He prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and cried, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, 
he fell asleep. And I had to ask myself, Temple, would you do that? Probably not. I throw a rock back one or two at least. That's <laughs> why so God chose Stephen. I'd have to get one. Somebody going with me. Somebody. <laughs> I know that's terrible. It's bad to say that, but wow. What a guy. He could see beyond the people who persecuted him, beyond the people who wronged him. He could see. Now, the leaders refused to see. That's the first thing I want you to see. They refuse to see. The question is, are you like them? In such a religious high place in your mind that you refuse to see what's happening in your own life. What you've done. Stephen gave a history lesson. How they stoned prophets and killed folks. He said, ah, you guys are not innocent. But that's just part of the story. On Easter Sunday, we celebrate a moment when an angel took Mary and the women and helped them see. When you go through a traumatic moment, you can shut down. You can lose your perspective. Easter's supposed to remind you. It's supposed to take you back to the foundation and remind you. So I want to do something I wasn't planning on doing. Go to Matthew chapter 28. I want to read a verse to you. Because this is where it all really kind of settles. Mary and the disciples, Friday, saw Jesus die. And there was this moment of um, blindness that came over them. Because they had forgotten a lot of things he'd said. He warned them this would happen. You can relate to that, right? You were warned about a lot of things that could happen in your life, like aging. Now you're shocked. <laughs> I turned the other day to the right. And the pain hit me. And I, I tried to shake it off. But it kept talking to me, saying, I'm here. <laughs> there are times you were told things, and when trauma comes, you forget. Today's celebration is to remind us not to forget. There's this moment where Mary and the women, they go to the tomb, and they get there, and their goal is to see the body of Jesus. They were blinded to all that he had said about the resurrection. They could not, it, couldn't, it couldn't, didn't come to their mind. So God sends an angel to remind them. God says, let me remind you. So when you open this tomb and find out he's not there, I want you to remember what I said. So watch this dialogue. This is in Matthew chapter 28, verse 5. Angel said to the women, when they looked in there and they didn't see the body, he said, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus. Say that with me, please. Come on. I know that you're. One more time. Say it again. Come on. I know that you are. God knows you're looking for him. God knows. That's why you sing these songs and dance these dances. Because you're looking for Jesus. You came to church because the house of God looking for Jesus. Because some of you need him today. Something's going on in your life. And you're looking for Jesus. Mm -hmm. He said, uh, I love this part. He's not here. 
You're looking in the wrong place. I'm sorry. I know you're sincere. I know you mean well. I know you're praying, but you're praying in the wrong way. You're looking in the wrong place. He's not here. He was here, but he's not here anymore. Come on, say he was here, he was here. but he's not here anymore. That's hard for us, you know. We think Jesus is going to always be at 9700 Middle Ground Road, see. Jesus is going to always be right here where we are right now. Ain't going to be no COVID. COVID ain't going to never happen. See, you shocked when you had to go home for a couple of years. You thought he was only here, but you found out he could be in your living room. Come on, talk to me, somebody. He's not just here. Some of you home right now, sitting up there watching me with your coffee in your hand. Don't worry, he's here and he's there. He can be in more than one place. Come on, give God a big praise. I know that you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. Here's what he said, verse 6. He's risen just as he said. Mm, that'll get you up in the morning. Just like he said. You ever, you ever had to go back and your mama told you something, your daddy told you something? And then you, you, you look up and you say, that's exactly what daddy told me. I've mentored a lot of preachers and they come back to me and say, oh, that's what Pastor Rick was talking about. Mm -hmm. He promised you. He told you. Come now and see the place where he lay. I want you to come see where he was. But I want you to know he's not here anymore. Then he told them this. Now, let me point you in the right direction, because this is important. If you're going in the wrong direction, he got to point you in the right direction. Because you're going where? You got on 995, and you're trying to get to Disney World. And from Savannah, you go north, past New Jersey, right? And that's how you get to Disney. You go up north. I'm trying to tell you, brother. I'm trying to have that brother from New Jersey look shaking his head saying, no. I'm telling you, you go north and you get right there, right there, right, right there, right, that's right between Manhattan and right there, right there. I'm telling you, you don't know, you don't believe me. See, he's saying, no, you're wrong, preacher. <laughs> Which way do I need to go? South. south. Let's vote. How many say go south? South. Some of you don't know because you ain't from here. You're trying to figure it out. The pastor, I'd be to go east. I'd be really in trouble. <laughs> You'd be swimming in the ocean. Anyway, here's the point. The angel knew they didn't know which way to go. It's okay not to know. If I can get Christians just to accept that. It's okay for you not to know. It's okay for you not to have the answer. God will send an angel to show you the way. But you have to listen. Can you say amen, somebody? Sometimes in life, things are rolled to you. Come on, roll it to me, roll it to me, roll it to me. Hold, throw it to me, ready? Catch it. I caught you, ready? Catch it. You the man. God will throw you an answer when you need one. Come on, yes, he will. A problem may roll your way, but God will fix it for you. Come on, talk to me, somebody. The angel of the Lord said, let me show you the way. Let me help you fix this. Watch what he does. Verse 7 of chapter 28, he said, then go quickly and tell his disciples. He's risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you. I love that. 
He's going ahead of you. God knows you need somebody to go ahead of you. Into Galilee. And there you will see him. Now I've told you. Women hurried. And I love this part. They hurried away from the tomb. Afraid. Yet filled with joy. I've been reading the Bible for years. I never saw that. Come on, say afraid. afraid. Yet filled with joy. It's like starting a business, right? It's like getting married. You're going down the aisle, afraid, but filled with joy. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? You know you heard from God. You know you're going in the right direction, but you still what? Afraid, but what? Filled with joy. Afraid, but filled with joy. I'm excited. I'm like that right now. I got some things in the oven right now working. And guess what? I'm afraid. You ain't talking to me, church. Come on. I'm what? But yet what? I am. Right now. I'm in the middle of it. I read that and I leaped up. I said, oh, yeah. But there are decisions that you got to make. In the midst of those moments, you know the story. They went. They told the disciples Jesus rose from the dead. They met him and all the great things happened. And I look at that moment and I say to myself, thank you. God helped them see the way. There are three decisions that you can make that will help you see better. Romans 12 and 1. You ready? Let me give you three things and I'm done for the day. Three things. I want you to just repeat them with me, please. So surrender your bodies. Be transformed in your thinking. And be humble in your attitude. In my opinion, Romans 12 and 1 is a, is a powerful place to just sit for a minute. Verse 1 and 2 has changed my life. Because verse 1 says, I beg you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, that you may be able. Watch this. Watch this now. I want you to understand. That's the, stop there. That's the first thing that changes everything. Total surrender. Some of us are trying to get God's best and you're peeking in. There's nothing like climbing over. I've learned when I totally surrender that I can do more than when I half surrender. Watch this. Going to school is harder when you halfway go. But when you climb over and say, I'm a student and commit to the process, throw your leg across the discipline wall and really spend the time learning the material, you'll get across that wall. You may have to push yourself across, but you can get there. But if you are lazy and half committed, half studying, half thinking, you're not really in it. I'm the kind of guy I have to cut everything off and I have to engage myself. If I do, I'm amazed at my grades. Good God from Zion. I'm an A student. I, I'm t I was a C student. A B student in my undergrad, but I've been A all the way through, master's and doctorate. I'm telling you what, that is amazing to me. And here's why. Total surrender to the process. If you're half married, half in, and still half single, that's why you're having trouble. You're not all the way in yet, brother, not sister. Your mind is still back there with Bubba Louie and Cool Breeze and them people. You need to be all in with the man you with. Come on, say amen, right? Come on, be all in, total surrender. But then the second thing is this. You've got to have your mind changed. Now, you've got to be transforming your thinking. Verse 2 says, don't be shaped by the world, but be ye transformed. 
Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's something about that transformation process. Then you will be able, catch this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Here's how the King James says it. What you do is you get your mind transformed that you may be able to prove or identify God's will. You can't identify God's will until you totally surrender. You can't even recognize it because you're thinking wrong. There's a scary verse in Isaiah. He said, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my what? Ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. I learned in life that my problem, my problem, why I couldn't see, why I was walking around in willful blindness, was because I didn't totally surrender and I did not allow my mind to be changed. As long as you think this way, you'll live this way. If you want to live that way, you've got to change the way you view things. That's why churches have so much trouble, the way we think. Religious people, you think you know God. You almost think you like him because you dance around a little bit, speak in tongues a little bit, and wave your head around in your hips, and you think, oh, that's, I'm, I'm anointed. No, you're just jumping. That don't make you right. I, wa I want you to hear what I'm saying. The biggest challenge for me is allowing my mind to be changed, allowing my thoughts to be changed, allowing myself to hear new information, not be a know-it-all. Don't be a, there's something that happens if you want to see, you've got to let somebody show you. I'm telling you, this is the biggest fight that I fight. Temple, think with me. I need you to sit still and be quiet. I need you to read. I need you to listen. I need you to let somebody disagree with you. That's scary. Let somebody disagree with you. I, 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 I don't think we ever are going to see God's best in our life if we're not willing to allow our minds to be challenged. Then the third piece of it is you've got to be humble. For any of this to work, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment and accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. There's something about coming to the place where you just stop being perfect in your mind. And you allow him. They came looking for Jesus in the wrong place. They came thinking he was still there and he wasn't. They came with one set in their mind. They were depressed and felt hopeless. They'd never seen anybody raised from the dead. They'd never seen anybody do things. But let me tell you something. If you just ride with him, if you just surrender to him, if you give him your mind and your thoughts, you'll wake up one day and say, he did something that was abundantly above all I could ask or think. He changed my life. He changed my, come on, say amen. You know, some of you, man, you look back the way you used to be and you're so glad you're not that person you used to be because some of you are on the way to jail. Some of you are on the way, I ain't going to name where you on the way to. Some of you wouldn't be here today, but it was God's grace. Come on, say amen. It was God's grace that raised you up. I want you to stand on your feet. You've been in church an hour and 23 minutes. Aren't you shocked? Don't take all day. 
Excuse my grandma. I done said it. You need to surrender. All in. Every day I fight it. I look at the plate. All right, Tom. What you gonna eat, boy? You're 193 this morning. You don't want to be 203. What you gonna do, boy? Come on. Pick up behind yourself. Come on. You said you're surrendering to God. You say you're surrendering to this discipline. Come on. Sit down. Look at your budget again. Totally in. I'm not half in. A little afraid, but excited. That's normal. Some things require faith. Some businesses don't work out. A little afraid. Fight for it anyway. God will get you there. But you got to let him change your thinking. You've got to stop thinking just your way. Biggest challenge, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The Bible said he'll exalt you in due season. I've got a sermon coming later in the year called Seasons. I'm going to teach from the book of Ecclesiastes 3. It's a time and a season for all things. Some of you are out of season. Trying to do something is not the season to do it. Some of you, you've waited too long. You're going to miss your season. Get busy. It's a season now to change your health. It's a season now to deal with the issue the doctor told you about. It's the season. Because the next season won't be as much fun. All the docs I know struggle when the people come in the office and say, oh man, you're about two seasons late. Your choices are not the same. Because you would not surrender a year ago. Now I got to tell you this bad news. Lord, help us today hear this message on Easter Sunday. Jesus is trying to get us to a new place. He's trying to get us beyond the tomb. He's trying to get us beyond the, where, we, where, we, where we're in this hopeless dead end. And so I, I pray that the message has touched the hearts of those in this building and those at home. And may their lives never be the same. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ricky Temple, I heard you today. And I want you to pray for me because my biggest issue is my walk with God. And I want, to, I want you to pray with me that I can leave out of here. And just like Jesus rose on the third day, I want to rise and walk out of here free. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. If you want me to pray a prayer for you, raise your hand. Let me see where you are. I see one. I see two. I see three. I see four. I see five. I see six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I see. Raise your hand. Let me see. Where you at? Where you at? Eleven, twelve. I see thirteen. I see more. Thank you. I see more. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for those who are home as well, whose hearts right now are being touched. And I want you right now, go to your computer, touch that button that says, I raise my hand right now. There's a button there. Also type in the chat. I raise my hand. I raise my hand. Pastor, I'm praying with you. I'm with you. I'm right now making this commitment to Christ. And if you're not by a device where you can, just raise your heart. God hears you. Father, we lift our hearts and our hands to you, praying for those who are coming to you today, acknowledging they need to surrender. May this be that transforming moment. We give you all the glory. 
and all the honor for your sacrifice for us as we celebrate you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Did you have a good time today? Hope you did. God bless you.